Jesus is the gate, or as some versions say, the door. And he gives us life, abundant life. Now, two months later, Jesus continues this story. And here's the passage we're going to look at today, verses 19 through 30 of of John chapter 10. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. Four times in this passage, the previous verses that I read last Sunday, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. In this beautiful picture of Jesus being the shepherd and us being the sheep, it's an invitation to come to him. Some accepted this invitation and came to him, but there were others that rejected the invitation. Notice what we just read. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So there's this divided response, as there is today. Between verses 21 and 22, there's a two-month divide. Here it comes. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. This was a newer festival that was celebrated, not one that comes out of the Old Testament. This festival happens because one of the visions of Daniel pictured a man named Antiochus, Epiphanes, who would bring great havoc on the Jews. And he did, just like Daniel said. He came, he forced the priests to eat uh, pork. He turned the whole temple into a brothel. He, he actually used the, the temple and the altars to make sacrifices to Zeus. So everything was contaminated. And then you have Maccabees, who actually fought and eventually won against him, and they took the temple back. When they took the temple back, they dedicated the temple to the Lord. And from that point forward, it is called the Festival of Dedication. This is, I'm reading from Maccabees. Maccabees is not part of the Bible. It's apocryphal literature, but it's actually worth reading. This comes from Maccabees 1. That Every year at the season of the days of the dedication of the altar should be observed with gladness and joy for eight days, beginning with the 25th day of the month of Chislev. So in John, let me back up here to verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter. So that is 
what would be for a Cheslev is December. And Jesus was in the temple at Christmas. And as he's there in the wintertime in this temple, the Solomon's temple at that time was amazing, absolutely amazing. It had pillars that were 45 feet high. Now, in the center of this, it reaches almost 40 feet. If you look up, you can see the height. So these colonnades would have been around the edge at that height, all the way around. And the temple set up high on Mount Moriah. And if you looked off, you could see Mount Olives. It was a magnificent temple, and it had magnificent view. And Jesus is walking among these colonnades, and these people are following. That's where it all happens. So this is what we call today, or what Jews call Hanukkah, their Christmas. And these eight candles are lit during eight days, celebrating the retaking or the capture of the temple, which had been desecrated by a very evil man. So every year following, the Jews would have this feast of dedication, followed by eight days of lighting candles, which is continued today called Hanukkah. As Jesus is walking through the temple at this festival of dedication, the Jews who were there gathered, verse 24, gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. So they want an answer from him. So Jesus now refers back to what he started two months ago when he shared this parable of the shepherd and the sheep. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. In other words, Jesus says, the reason you don't understand me when I talk or I share something is you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. At this point, Jesus gives this incredibly powerful picture, probably the most powerful image in the entire four Gospels of the power of God to keep us safe, those of us who have committed our hearts to Christ to follow him. And here it is, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. This would be what Paul is referring to in Romans 8 when he says nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing from above, nothing from below. And he lists every single possibility nothing can separate us. Jesus is saying, once we've committed our life to him, we are safe. At this point, I'm going to spend the rest of our time looking at Psalm 23, the most well-known psalm of all the psalms. David, who is a young shepherd in his teens, very competent at taking care of his sheep, but you spend a lot of time being alone And David is a musician. He's obviously very artistic. He wrote most of the psalms and probably wrote this psalm composing music and words. And it came to him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 23 is known even outside of biblical circles. It is written, Shakespeare wrote about Psalm 23. It has four parts to it. First of all, it is about God's provision for us, or the shepherd's provision for us. It's about the shepherd's direction for us, the sheep. It's about the shepherd's protection, and it's about the shepherd's reward. So I'm going to cover these four things. I'm going to read the psalm, and I'm reading in King James because 
and the Psalms are always better in King James, and we use NIV, it's more understandable. But when it comes to Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, I love King James. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that not beautiful? It's incredible. Let's take the first part now. The first part will be verses 1 through 3. It is the Lord's provision for us, or the shepherd's provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That has great meaning. We'll discuss it. He leadeth me beside still waters. That has meaning. He restoreth my soul. And that has enormous meaning. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, last week, I shared something very important about sheep and the shepherd. I'm going to repeat it so it has so much. And it's, it's called when a sheep is cast. So if a sheep, especially if the sheep has a large fleece of wool, Let's say that the sheep lays down on an incline. The sheep lays down on an incline, and it's just kind of eating around like we do, snacking, you know. And so the sheep is just kind of reaching out and taking bites, but it's on an incline. And maybe reaches out way a little bit too far to the right and rolls over. And if everything is just right, the sheep, once it's rolled over, its four feet are up. It cannot roll back. It's called cast. And just the way sheep are made, they are made to have a shepherd. So a sheep, once it's rolled over on its back, four feet up, will only live for a few hours because the blood will not circulate in, in summer or fall or spring. In wintertime, it might live a little longer, but in a hot summer day, will only live a few hours if not rescued. So one of the commentaries I was reading, the guy's name is Kent Hughes, and he was telling about a couple of friends of his, uh, medical doctors and their wives. They were vacationing in England, and they were driving on some very back in southern England in the back roads. There's a lot of small villages. It's very beautiful countryside, and they're driving along. And as they're driving along, they see the sheep with the four legs up. And uh, one of them says, well, I must be a dead sheep. And then they're driving along. They remembered reading about this. They're not, they, weren't, they weren't experienced with sheep, but they remember hearing about sheep up. The sheep must be cast. So they turned around and they came back and the sheep was all by itself. And they got out there and they managed to get the sheep up, had a huge fleece, and they massaged its legs and the sheep took off. They hoped it made it to wherever it was going, but the, the sheep wasn't dead. It was cast. And this is what they said about that. The men said they learned from that experience that sheep are not theoretically helpless. They are absolutely helpless. Because being cast is terminal. If the sheep does not get help, it will die. Even without enemies, sheep need to have a shepherd attentively watching over them 24 hours a day. 
He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. That is a picture of a cast sheep. Think about us. We get a little fat, a little lazy. That's our fleece, all right? Perhaps a little too much wool, a little too much riches, or too much comfort. And then we wind up with four feet up spiritually, and we can't move. It is the Lord who seeks us out and restores us, turns us over, and heads us in the right direction. When David wrote this psalm, I imagine him being out there in an evening night, looking at the stars and seeing those stars and knowing. And I love to look at the stars. And when you catch a good night and there's stars, to think the one who created those stars is the one who watches over me. And that's what Psalm 23 is about. It's about the creator, the shepherd. I mean, we may just be a little speck on this little planet called Earth, but God knows who we are. In this psalm, I went through it and I underlined the word I, the word my, and the word me in the King James. And I came up with 13. So put, let's look at this and I want you to underscore because how personal it is. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. You are with me, and your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That makes it very, very personal. What intimacy. There are times that we all experience loneliness. But this psalm is about the shepherd who is with us. I don't care whether it's loneliness, isolation, or even depression. The Lord is always with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord will never leave us or never forsake us. This is what David is writing in Psalm 42. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. We're his sheep, and he is the shepherd. The Lord provides for us. He leads us in those green pastures where we could eat. He leads us to quiet waters where we can drink. He restores our soul when we are cast. And he gives us direction. The Lord gets us back on our feet. He guides us in the paths of righteousness. Because left alone, we get lost. Isaiah 53 says, we, are, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about the sheep that goes away. Ryan showed me this video. I should have asked him to put it up today and think about it. It shows this, shows this sheep, in a, you may have seen it, in this ditch, and this guy comes and gets the sheep out, and he takes off, and he runs right back into the same ditch. <laughs> that is a perfect illustration. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. One of my all-time favorite hymns is, Come Thou 
found a blessing. It was written by Robert Robinson, and there's a whole story about this guy that is so interesting, too lengthy to tell, but almost all hymns in some way have autobiographical material, and this hymn is his story. It's his, it's his, it's his life story. I love this hymn. Let me read three verses. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the face of God. He, to save my soul from danger, interposed his precious blood. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. There's the sheep. Bind. This is the theme of this song. The wandering, prone to wonder. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Teach me, Lord, some rapturous measure. Meet for me thy grace to prove while I sing the countless treasure of my God unchanging love. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. There's the sheep. Take my heart, O oh, take it and seal it with thy spirit from above. Rescued thus from sin and danger, purchased by the Savior's blood. May I walk on earth a stranger as a son and heir of God. We are definitely prone to wonder, and it's the shepherd that brings us back to the right path, paths of righteousness. Sometimes the shepherd just gets in our way and blocks it or changes. I've had that experience in my life. Paul experienced it in the book of Acts, Acts 16. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. The Lord stood in his way to hinder him as a shepherd to get him to go on the right path. That's what the shepherd does. And then there is the Lord's protection. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. The valley represents depression. It represents a place of danger, of predators, a place where people could hide. It's deep gloom. Martin Luther, the great reformer, was prone to, to bouts of depression. And on one time, he had had a long bout of depression. His wife came into the room where he's at, and she had complete black mourning dress and everything on. He looked up at her and said, what has happened? And she said, the way you are acting, you would think God is dead. He got the point. Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, and none of us are immune from that, but when you remember you have a shepherd and we need to appropriate it, you'll never be alone. Testimonies of people who have been imprisoned during wars or in countries like China, their stories of God's presence with them testify to the power of the shepherd to be with us. When we get to verses 5 and 6, David leaves the metaphor of the sheep, and it's as if he is sketching out Bedouin encampment, because it's as if he's been chased or pursued by enemies, and, and he's famished, and suddenly he arrives, and there's this beautiful table spread before him. And this is the Lord's reward. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. 
My cup runneth over. Every, every word here is so picturesque. So this is this table, and it's prepared in the presence of his enemies. And I picture David fleeing from his enemies. And when he gets to the camp, the enemies, they're not going to come now. There's this table. It's all prepared for him. The cup is full. So there's, there's bounty. There's, there's, there's no scarcity to this table. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Instead of the enemies that had pursued him, now it's goodness and mercy that are going to pursue him. To refresh him. I remember I was a teenager. And of course, I, I grew up knowing extremely hard work on the farm, construction. And I remember one time my brother, my dad, myself, we probably got out to the fields about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. We'd already worked several hours before the sun had come up. And I remember I was probably about 10 o'clock, 9, 9 or 10 o'clock. I was so out of gas. And I looked up, and there my, my mom came driving up. And she got out, and she had brought grape juice and boiled eggs. And that tasted to this day like steaks. I mean, it was, it was, I, was, I have never been that hungry in my life. And to this day, if I eat a boiled egg and grape juice, my mind goes back. I didn't make myself sick because I still love them, but I have never forgotten because she put it out on the hood of, the, of one of the trucks and she brought this tablecloth and she spread it out there and then she had everything on it and we had those boiled eggs. And I felt like David. That had been prepared for me. He's pursued by goodness and kindness. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Now I told this story about six months ago. This is original stuff right here that I'm sharing. Somebody told me a few weeks ago that I owed them, owed them royalties because I was using their material. I use everybody's material, so I would be in poverty if I paid everybody. But this is original one I'm about to share with you. So one day I'm in my office and my granddaughter Madeline, I'm working and she is running the adding machine. She loved that adding machine. <laughs> Anyway, she's working away, and then she comes over, and she says, I have a hamburger and a Coke for you. And I said, well, good. I'm hungry. She says, it'll be $60. <laughs> and I said, well, that's kind of expensive. And she said, but it's really good. <laughs> now I'm kind of wondering if she didn't receive some inside information, because the way hamburger's going, she's probably not that far off. <laughs> so she gives me this hamburger and this Coke, and then all of a sudden she says, you know, I just got a new shipment of books in and I was wondering if you want one. So she grabs my book of responsive parenting that has a father's hand with the little child's hand. She says, do you want to buy it? I said, yeah. I said, what's the book about? She says, it's about learning how to hold hands. <laughs> well, actually, that's what Jesus says right here. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
no matter how fragile your hand is. When I looked for that picture to put on that book, I wanted a little tiny hand. I didn't want a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old. I wanted a little toddler so that I could actually demonstrate that it was the father holding the child's hand. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Our position in him doesn't, doesn't depend on our immaturity, the fragility, the mistakes. He's going to hold our hand. He doesn't let you go and say, oh man, living. How am I going to? This is, this is too much. You make too many mistakes. You're too stupid. It doesn't depend on our stupidity. He's going to hold our hand. I got a video here for you to watch to drive this point home. That's earthly fathers, and we love to do that for our kids, all right? But just think of our heavenly Father. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. As if that isn't enough, he adds another layer on there. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Paul knew this when he wrote to the Philippians. And this happens to be one of my all-time favorite passages right here, just throwing that in. 3.12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. That's the image right there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have a shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. And we are the sheep of his pasture. May that intimacy grow greater and greater in our lives. If you're not one of his sheep, you can be right now. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to take a test. You just have to say, Jesus, I want into that fold. And he lets you in. Nobody's going to get to you. you. He'll take your hand and he'll hold it. Pray with me if you want to be part of that beautiful picture that he described here. Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm lost. I'm like a sheep with my feet up in the air. I can't find happiness on my own. I've made a lot of mistakes. I acknowledge, Lord, I'm lost. I've sinned like the prodigal. I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. I want a savior. I want a shepherd in my life. I can't find my way. Save me, Lord, and be my shepherd and watch over me. Take my hand and hold it, Lord, so that I belong to you. If you prayed that with all your heart, that's all it is. If you believe in him, put him first in your life. God's going to make such a difference in your life from this day forward. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor today because of who you are, how great and how wonderful. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.